Welcome to Everything EFL Podcast. My name's Erin O'Byrne, and I absolutely love sharing my knowledge with you, my darling teacher, and helping you build not only community, but your students' confidence. I truly believe that a positive frame of mind is essential for your students to learn. There's also a bunch of other teachy stuff thrown in for good measure too. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, you gorgeous teacher. If you're one of my lovely, gorgeous, regular listeners, welcome back. If you're brand new to everything EFL podcast, you are most welcome. I'm so happy you're here. How did you discover me? Let me know. All right. What are we talking about today? TTT, teacher talk time. This is one of the first of about a million acronyms I learned as I was training to be a teacher and it was always impressed upon me. Your TTT should be much, much lower than your STT, student talk time, just in case you didn't get that. Maybe you don't think your teacher talk time is very high. Well, why don't you listen to this fairly short podcast and decide for yourself how you are addressing your class when you're correcting, you're you're giving instructions and stuff like that. So hopefully at the end of this episode, you might have a couple of ideas on how to lower your TTT. Why is it important to lower it? Well, first of all, it's not the insert teacher's name here show, okay? I've I've lost count of the amount of teachers that I've observed and I've actually had to say to them, look, it's not the insert teacher's name here show. You are, you know, you're facilitating, you're guiding, you're giving instructions, you're doing all this stuff, but it's not your job to talk at your students for 40 minutes, two hours, whatever. I've also lost count of the amount of teachers that have just talked and talked and talked. Um, You know, where's the space for your students to talk? Where's the interaction between the students? Why are you throwing a barrage of questions at your students without leaving time for them to actually process what you're saying to them? So let me tell you a little story, kids. Get yourselves comfortable. Grab a cup of tea and some popcorn. Here we go. So I was doing a demo a couple of weeks ago in a teacher training course of reformulation. And then I asked the teachers to do the same. Basically, if you're not too sure what reformulation is, go back and listen to um, all my episodes about the lexical approach. I believe they are 60, 61, 62 and 79. So basically what you do is you take notes of what students say when they're speaking to each other or to you conversationally. So, for example, you know, what did you do yesterday? And then the language they produce is meaningful to them because obviously they want to talk about what they did. So, you know, it might be common phrases that they'll use again and again. You know, but with that does come a lot of common errors. So, for example, you know, I go park. It's depend on. I'm agree. And my personal favourite, sorry for late. Okay, so these are the kinds of things that are emergent language. So basically, one idea what you could do is a bit of error correction. You put some of these sentences on the board, you know, taking what they're actually saying and then turning it around and giving them a more natural way of saying it. So, for example, I go park they actually want to say is, you know, I went to the park. Okay, so let's address each thing one by one. Let's look at the verb go. Maybe you can point to it or underline it. Again, no reason to sort of repeat the sentence, just point to it. Is it the present or past? Okay, wait for a response. That's the first thing. There you go. You've dealt with that in one short question. Move it on. We've got a couple of missing words. I go to the park. So to the park is missing. So maybe, you know, a question, what's missing? Okay, maybe you're met with a wall of silence. This isn't uncommon. We've all had that. So my suggestion to you would be the good old think 
compare, share, give your students a bit of time to think about it. They talk to the person next to them and then maybe somebody would like to answer or you can nominate. Another thing you can do is, you know, say what's missing. If there's silence, you can say, you know, maybe it's here. So you're pointing to the gap between go and park. Before park, what do we need? Okay, something like that. Again, they might need a little bit of help. That's okay. So another good idea is what I call the beep method. So for example, you know, I go beep, beep, park, something like that. It also raises a couple of smiles. Another thing you can do, really, really simple, is you have two missing words. So why don't you write, instead of writing two, just write two little lines that represent the two missing letters. Um, and then you could do the same with the. So three little lines to represent the three missing letters of the. If you're met with silence again, maybe write um, the first letter of each word. It's fine, but you're not speaking. And that is the point. So back to my story. <laughs> um, so I was doing this demo of reformulation. Um, so I, I, you know, I did something exactly as I had just described to you. And when I asked the teachers, my trainee teachers to demo, Actually, they weren't trainee teachers, they were experienced teachers. But it basically went something like this. So, I go park. What's the problem here? Is anything missing? What's missing? What do we need to add? Can anyone tell me what's missing? Have a look. Um, so there was just the, all these questions coming at us. And then, like, you know, as as teachers, we, we just sort of feigned silence and ignorance to, to push the teacher to keep going just to see what she would do. And then, OK, uh, what? there are some words missing. What's missing? Would anyone like to tell us? Um, it was just, ah, it was just too much. You know, when we're met with silence, we there is this temptation to talk, to fill the silence, to give them more questions, to help them. And yes, questions are great to elicit. But, well, I mean, do you want my advice? Because I'm going to give it to you anyway. I assume that's why you're here. Silence is good. It gives students time to think and it gives them time to formulate ideas. It also gives them time to process the questions. You know, not every student has the answer immediately. A lot of us rely on those strong students who always put their hand up first. But, you know, doing something like think, pair, share, it gives everybody time to think, everybody time to discuss with their partner. And then, you know, one student can give their opinion and then the class can agree or disagree. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'll just be met with silence, Erin. OK, fine, but going back to think, pair, share, perhaps your students are more comfortable writing down the answer. You know, that's that's also fine. You know your students best. You know, it is up to you in a way to figure out how to get them to talk. But I do promise that think, pair, share is a nice idea. OK, we'll come back to a few more strategies in a moment. Just want to give you another example. So let's talk about my personal favourite. Sorry for late. This could be a little bit tough because the students are probably translating from their first language and they won't actually know the answer. That's OK, guys. We can elicit, but, you know, not with a million, million flipping words. OK, so again, one of my um, teachers who was trying the reformulation, OK, it went like this. So sorry for late. Can we change something here? Is this right? Can anyone tell me what the right answer is? What do you think? Should we change it? How many words do we need? One or two words? Uh, if I were a student, my head would be exploding at this point. It was just a barrage of questions. It's too much to process. And like there was just no space between the questions to think. So guys, keep it simple. <laughs> 
All right. So my advice would be for something like sorry for late. Maybe I'll give them a bit of help and go. Okay, let's just cross out for in this sentence. I need two words here, and let's see if they have any ideas. If they're not sure, you could maybe use your body language. Point at your chest to mime I. So you'll usually get a response from that, and then. Say to, say to them. Look, think of a sentence with late in them. You could use the beep method. I beep usually late. What's missing here? Am. Okay, so I am. Okay, so let's put that in the sentence. Sorry, I am late. Okay, and now at this point with contractions, what I usually do is I put my hands up and I kind of push them together as if I'm in prayer. But the my hands coming together、um, is like a representation of I and am coming together. And as I'm pushing my hands together, I usually say, I hold up one hand, I say I, and then I hold up my other hand and I say am, and then I push them together. Can we put these words together? And then somebody will usually say, "I'm." The point is, guys, there's always a way to get your students to give you the answer without using a million words to do it. Okay? If you're using questions, keep them short and simple. Try just to use one at a time. Give your students time and space to think. If you know the quicker students will answer first without giving the other students time to think, put your hand up in a stop gesture, or just say to them, "Okay, guys, if you think you know the answer immediately, count to five, and then raise your hand. No shouting out. And if somebody does shout out, again, I would advise putting your hand up and just ignoring them and choosing someone else. And they will get the message that shouting out isn't going to get your attention. I would also advise not nominating weaker or shyer students." If you don't think they're going to know the answer, you know, as they are think pairing and sharing, look at them, look at their body language, look at their faces. But you can also give them the option instead of going, "Okay, John," okay, just say, you know, John, would you like to answer this question? No, okay, that's fine. Can you choose another student to help you? Okay, language is really important. Giving them the option and then giving them the option of choosing a student to help them. And notice that word "helping." You know, you're not saying get somebody to answer for you. It's get somebody to help you. Now, if your students don't know the answer to something, or if they have a question, I would always recommend throwing it back to the class. What do you think? Can anybody tell me what they think? And also, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but I'm amazed the amount of times that students work in pairs, and then they hold their hand up and they ask me for the meaning of something, or they ask me, like, you know, what are we doing, or something like that, and and I say to them, have you asked your partner? And they say no, and that amazes me. But it's just because you know a lot of students still believe that all knowledge comes from you, and you are the center of the class. It doesn't, and you are not. This is a skill. This kind of, you know, trying to reduce your TTT. It takes time. Everything's a process. I always say it. But if you practice, you will get there, and your students will thank you for it. Now, I know what you're saying. Lower levels need a lot more TTT. Yes, I completely agree. But you can still lower it a little bit and just, you know, ask one question at a time instead of just a barrage of them. Again, give your students time and space to think. Give them a couple of options to choose from. Also, see what they try to produce and reformulate. So, going back to those examples like "sorry for late,"、um, "it's depend on," blah blah blah. It's really good to note down this language because this is a little bonus tip for you guys. You can work with this language they produce, so you can work on reformulating it. Okay. 
And then you have plenty of content for future dialogues, stories and texts. Keep a note of all of those those phrases that, you know, mistakes are commonly made with. OK, and then, for example, if you're doing a grammar review in the future, you can create the context around the questions using the emergent language, for example. So let's imagine you're practicing the present perfect, but some emergent language that has um, come up in the past is sorry for late, right? So you've corrected it. Sorry, I'm late. What you can do is create a dialogue with some present perfect in there or maybe, you know, like complete the present perfect phrase with the correct um, verb three. And it could read something like this. A says, sorry, I'm late. I've never been here before, so I couldn't find it, right? And, you know, I've never been here before. Maybe um, they have to actually write B um, in the correct form, right? So there's like a kind of a gap fill. So what you've done is you're practicing your target language, present perfect, but you've incorporated sorry I'm late into the dialogue. And that just gives your students another bit of exposure to it because, as you know, guys, repetition and exposure is really important for remembering language. Apparently, when you learn like a new piece of vocabulary or something, you know, you have to come into some kind of contact with it six or seven times before it really sticks in your mind. So any kind of connections you can make that helps your students. So if you do create your own materials, keep that emergent language in mind. Now, if you're interested in emergent language, I am definitely going to speak to someone soon about doing an episode on it. So, you know, things you can actually do with emergent language, which I'm really excited about. But uh, you're going to have to just wait for that one. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. I really appreciate every single person who listens. In return for this free content you're getting, I just ask a couple of small favours, okay? The first one is recommend me to your friends. Recommend me to your staff room. Stick up a poster. Do whatever you think you can do to spread the word of everything EFL so I can help and serve as many gorgeous teachers as possible. Secondly, you can sign up to my newsletter. The link is in the show notes. I'm going to change up the format a little bit now to make it a bit more interesting. So you get it every couple of weeks unless I'm doing like a live, in which case I might send you an extra one just as a reminder. But for my bi-monthly one, I'm going to issue just a little challenge in each one. So I might give you like a tip or tell you something that I've done and then give you a little challenge so you can try something out new in your class every couple of weeks. Also, I'm doing market research on what you teachers want. I have a survey. The link is also in the show notes. It takes literally two minutes to complete. If you do have a moment, I would really appreciate it if you could fill it in for me. And the last thing is, and I've talked about this a lot, I am planning on doing a LinkedIn Live at some point. By the time this podcast goes out, I'll actually be on holiday. So I'll probably do it maybe within the next week or so of this episode coming out. So keep your eyes open. Follow me on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. That little click for you means everything to me. So yeah, I think I'm done. Thank you so much for listening again. Have a lovely, peaceful week, guys, and share the love. Bye.